On this week's episode of the podcast, Jordan and I talk about Bitcoin's energy usage. Let's go. Good morning. We're back. Yeah, episode number three. Number uh, numero tres, tres uh, comas, tres episodes. Do not start speaking Spanish. I do not know Spanish. I don't know Spanish either. I'm willing to learn though, but as of right now, I have to rely on my wife, who kind of majored a little bit in like Spanish type stuff. Yeah, I have um, this idea. I have this idea that like. You know, as people get older, they they do like pick up new hobbies. Like they, you know, a common one will be like, you know, learn to play the piano, learn a musical mm -hmm. instrument. I have this idea that one day I'll go through a phase in my life where I start learning a bunch of foreign languages. That'd be really tight. Like, okay, so I, this is a real this is a really quick tangent, but who cares? We'll, we'll get into the into the uh, the meat of the stuff here here shortly. So I was FaceTiming with Raven. She's on a cruise right now. She's yesterday. She was in oh, Curacao, like kind of right off of the coast of Venezuela. And she said almost everyone there speaks four languages, hmm. like Dutch, English, Spanish. And then they kind of have their own island language, which she couldn't pronounce like the name of it. But she was just talking about how incredibly impressive it was to talk to just the bartenders and, and things and like to learn that they know that many languages. I know, right? Um, it's super impressive. There, You can go down there and like aspire to be like them and try to learn all those different languages at once. Yeah, they say that learning languages is like, it, it, it changes part of like your brain chemistry even um yeah like which makes sense i have another another theory that has no basis whatsoever but it's just an idea that a lot of like i think that the foundation for culture and um specifically like intellectual culture is is founded on linguistics and so um for example i think that in um, like near the or during the renaissance period um mm -hmm. this scientist usually used english to communicate because english was not a widely um used language and so they could they could um avoid like oppression through through using english and hmm. um and so then it's like okay well it's interesting that all the scientists knew english isn't it See what I mean? Yeah. You you know, I think you're downplaying a little bit. You do know a different language. You probably know several different languages being that you're a software engineer. Yeah, that's that's actually the basis of why I think that I think I could learn new languages pretty easily because that's my whole job is to learn languages really. What are the main ones that you that you code in like day to day? Let's see. So there's tons of different programming languages. The thing is like 
they're all kind of doing the same thing is my opinion so jumping from one language to the other can be pretty pretty easy once you figure out computer science however i'll say that i'll say that there is like a lot of detail per language and in order to like be a specialist you have to use a language for a long time um anyway to answer your question let's see so like here's an interesting tidbit c the language c like the letter c Mm -hmm. as in charlie um was invented in the 70s i think it was like 1971 which is interesting um why what happened in 1971 (laughs) yeah just kidding (laughs) yeah wtf happened in 71 Mm -hmm. uh but so that language is like that's one of like the most longest running languages that's still used to date and um so i know some c these days my job is a front-end developer and so i primarily do develop in html css and javascript um and actually one quick tangent too, because I think this is interesting. Okay. Um, so in the front end world, we uh, software develop, development broadly, there's like a ton of open source code. And so most projects leverage some library or some dependency, something that somebody else wrote and they pull it in, and they use it for free. It's all open source, it's free. It's quite interesting. Um, so in the software world, you have this huge web of interdependencies. Um, mm-hmm. And in the front-end world, typically people develop in what's called React, which is a JavaScript library. Um, it's really more of a framework, but they try to say it's just a library. It's a framework in my opinion. Um, and pretty much everybody uses like React. I would say like nine, React has, has captured maybe 95 plus percent of the front-end market. But, um, and so when I joined Coinmetrics about eight months ago, um, we were developing things in React, like pretty much everybody else. And, and uh, but then like we got a, f- a few months in and my t- it's interesting on my team because like we're all seniors and that usually doesn't happen. Typically you have like a team of a few seniors and a few juniors, um, but we're all right. seniors and we're all kind of sitting in the room and we're like, this React thing kind of, sucks actually we're like why, like we're like why are we why are we like using this mm. react is good because like it basically like reduces the the barrier to entry it makes it sort of easy to to build a big project but it's inherently limiting for that for that reason mm. and so we were we were like what if we just like built all of our projects just in like low level html css and javascript um and we're like, let's try it out. And so, yeah, it worked out really well. And now we are full-fledged developing in this low-level language. It's sort of like the, the equivalent of like, um, you have people that, you have like hardcore engineers that are developing uh, games or operating systems and they have to use things like C because C is the low-level language. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas like people that develop like, you know, little iPhone apps or whatever, they're not developing these low-level language. Anyway, I don't know, long tangent, but it's interesting. It's, it's somewhat radical because we're actually trying to hire developers right now and we're having difficulties finding people because like everybody's like, well, I know React. And we're like, well, that ain't good, that ain't good enough. <laughs> <laughs> You're like in GMI. <laughs> yeah, not going to make it, yeah. 
Huh. That is interesting. Well, I mean, I, th- I think it's still relevant since this is a Bitcoin show. So much of this is, I think, I think making that whole world of coding, um, just like dumbing that down for people and, and even peeling the curtain back a little bit for people to see like, hey, here's some different aspects of what goes into the software side. Um, yeah, so let me give you let me give some option. Let me give some insights into that. I'm really eager to talk about this topic. I never get to talk about it. Okay. Uh, the uh, so Bitcoin, Bitcoin Core. First off, I should say Bitcoin is just a protocol, and so you can implement it in any number of languages. There is a Bitcoin that's written in Scala, um, which is a programming language. Um, but the vast, vast majority of Bitcoin implementations are Bitcoin Core, which if you go to Bitcoin.org and you download the 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 application that's what you're running you're running bitcoin core bitcoin and that's core. a copy is that the the part that's a copy of all the transactions well so they all do that that's what i'm saying right okay. like they're okay they're they're all uh, so an implementation is just the the instantiation of the software ideas right and so okay you could write bitcoin core i'm sure there is a bitcoin core implementation in javascript which is what i develop hmm. in um, but, uh, so Bitcoin core is the original implementation written by Satoshi, right? Okay. And, um, that's actually written in C plus plus, which is sort of like, a, um, I don't know how you describe it. It's like, a. um, it was, it's very C like, right? So C came first and then C plus plus came later. C plus plus does some few things. It's, uh, you know, makes it a little easier on the developer. But, um, but yeah, so Bitcoin Core is written in C++ and that's the original code from Satoshi. Much of it is still Satoshi's code. The, the source code is open sourced on GitHub, github.com. You can go check it out if you want. Um, hmm. And, you know, when the open source development, the way it works is, um, you know, some of the code is still Satoshi's, but a lot of it has been, you know, people build on top of it. I could go in and submit a, code change to Bitcoin core if I wanted to, but frankly, the Bitcoin core code is, I find it to be very difficult to read. <laughs> okay. But that's what's, that's, what's weird about like really, 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 really talented engineers is that their code is, is like difficult to follow, but then it's like, but then once you fully grasp it you're like oh okay i understand why it has to be done this way right mm-hmm. so anyway what i'm saying is satoshi was a was a good programmer he's a good programmer yeah interesting okay well let's get into you want to transition into some new stuff Talk yeah, about... yeah yeah okay cool so um i know when we chatted yesterday when we were kind of just thinking through what we wanted to talk about um and I know energy is on people's minds. And if, well, if it's not already on your mind, um, coming up with the election later on this year, I think um, in some jurisdictions it will be. So we wanted to touch on some energy stuff. There was uh, another New York Times piece that came out, uh, I think earlier this week, um, that was a talk, just talking about the energy um, FUD, if you don't know what that means. Um, that stands fear? for fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Yeah. So essentially people use FUD as an acronym to just kind of group together anything that, that tries to um, attack or destroy 
Bitcoin or crypto in general. So energy is definitely is has already been used quite for, you know, for several years to try to downplay, you know, the scalability of Bitcoin. And so we thought it might be helpful to talk a little bit about that. I was on a Twitter spaces yesterday. And the reason why I really wanted to talk about it is because there's this guy from Washington state who's running for Senate and pretty much it was kind of an open Q and a, and someone asked him about like, Hey, if someone starts to try to attack you on energy, how do you respond to that? And honestly, I didn't, I was not very impressed with his answer. Um, to be honest, I thought he, he, and then, and pretty much the host of the space has said, Hey, let's talk offline. Cause I really want to like help you nail down like the talking points. Oh, that's um, good. Because yeah. otherwise it's a difficult, otherwise it's, you're just going to get ripped to shreds. Yeah. It's one of those topics that's difficult to, um, it's like difficult to sell. Right. Um, but, <clears throat> but that's because it's inherently like comp it, it's, it requires, it's like, I don't know, it's like a steep learning curve to understand why it exists. Right. And the fact that people just, they want to pick on Bitcoin and they just inherently while doing so ignore the energy cost of the existing systems, whether it's gold or the US dollar kind of fiat system. Bitcoin's and- easy to pick on because it's just so, it's just, it says what it is, right? It's like, it's easy to pick on because it's very intellectually honest on what it is. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a big piece when I was kind of looking into this was how the your ability to audit Bitcoin makes it so that there's no secret on how much energy is being used, you know. It's pretty it's pretty easy to like quantify how much energy is being used in the Bitcoin network whether it's by mining or by the different components of energy usage. Whereas with the other systems, it's, it's so complex and there's so much hidden data that it's a lot harder. So it's a lot, it's a lot harder to put into numbers and therefore it's a lot harder to, you know, come up with these um, one-liners that you slap on the back of your car. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Let me say one thing. What this all boils down to is there is a, a part of the human psyche, which, um, is concerned about overconsumption. It's like, we think that we're going to, basically, we think we're going to run out of food. Right. Um, and it's understandable, right? Like, it's like, people are like, oh man, we're growing too fast. We're, um, we're too many people on this planet, (laughs) you know? Uh, mm-hmm. like that's just such a, that's such a, that, that alone, too many people on this planet. If you really sit, like take a breath and think about that for a second, that is the most absurd and like, frankly, like malicious comment a person can make. Um, like, what are you, what are you proposing exactly? We do here. We have less people, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, okay. And but how do you propose that we fix that problem? You're yeah. Let me, let me, rather scary the, past yeah exactly exactly the point i'm trying to make is um there is a direct correlation between um amount of energy that a civilization uses 
and the advance uh, level of that civilization. That is to say, the more energy we, we, we consume, which obviously we have to create the energy, the more energy that we create, um, the more advanced the civilization becomes, right? And so there's this mouth, it's called Malthusianism. There's this Mal- Malthusian take, which is like, basically, we just use too much energy. That's the problem, right? And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, that's like basically saying like, we should have less people on this planet. It's the same, it's the same type of take um, because it's, it's, it's really against, uh, it's really anti-human in a lot of ways because what you really want is um, more energy and more specifically what you want is um, more efficient energy usage, right? Um, like the, right. the, the naive, the naive uh, narrative is just more energy and that's fine. Like that's the naive approach it's the, for the simple person to understand more energy equals good. Got it. But then it's like, okay, let's take it one step further. We want more energy and we want to use that energy more efficiently. Okay. So that's a, hmm. a rift that I've, yeah. More energy equals good people. That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, when I was, when I was digging into this, I uh, specifically just was going over some of Nick Carter's work on this. He's posted quite a bit um, about the subject. And to me, like, I think there's two things that it comes down to one. The first thing would be if you're looking at studies, you know, if it's, it's the old saying garbage in garbage out kind of thing. If you're, if you're relying on flawed um, inputs, then obviously your outputs are going to be very flawed. And, you know, he, he cites one of these, this paper, this, he calls it the Mora paper, which you can look into. It's pretty much a two page commentary um, that has a lot of flaws with how Bitcoin is even understood in the paper. And the New York times uses that to try to, you know, essentially say that Bitcoin could increase global temperatures by two, two degrees Celsius. Um, so, so that's one piece. The other piece that he, he made this like such a simplistic argument. And I think it just, for me, it definitely made it kind of all switch on where it made sense was he was pretty much saying that Bitcoin is not a payment network. It's the settlement network. So you shouldn't, you know, a lot of people try to compare Bitcoin to Visa and well, if Bitcoin wanted to get to that number of transactions per day or per year, then it, the energy costs would just destroy the planet. It's their basic, um, mm-hmm. basic uh, argument. Whereas Nick says, no, don't think about Bitcoin in terms of uh, as a comparison to Visa. He's, he's used the, uh, what do you call it? Apples to koalas <laughs> comparison, <laughs> um, which I thought that was funny. But he said, no, you need to compare it to something more like Fedwire. And, you know, most people are not familiar with Fedwire. I'll be, I'll admit I wasn't even really, I mean, once he explained it, I was like, okay, it's the, it's the like system that you use if you're doing a bank wire, but Fedwire is a better comparison to the type of volume and the type of transactions that you're sending over this network versus the visa. Um, And I think those two points right there is, is the first one, the garbage in, garbage out, simply put. So making sure that if you're making assumptions about how you're coming up with that Bitcoin is warming the planet by two 
two degrees Celsius, well, what inputs are you using and are those substantiated? And then the two is, or the second one is, are you, are you actually comparing Bitcoin, the Bitcoin network to something that in the real, you know, in the pre-Bitcoin world that, that makes sense as a comparison? Or are you making an apples to koalas uh, comparison? <laughs> those are two things that I found pretty interesting is, is kind of pushbacks. The, the um, apples to koalas, that's funny. <laughs> Yeah, the um, I'm, I struggle to even make comparisons in the first place because it's so it's very different. It's even different from Fedwire, but um, but I'm gonna highlight your first point, which I totally agree with. Like, never in my life has there ever been a scenario where I can see firsthand the data. I can like download the Bitcoin ledger myself on my Bitcoin node. I can audit it myself. I can see the data. And then I can go to newyorktimes.com and I can read what they're posting. And it's just literally false. Like, it's just like, this is false information. Um, um, like, yeah, I mean, it's just very, it's, it's very easy to, to prove them wrong. Um, as, a, as a small tangent, the New York Times, are you, are you familiar much with the New York Times, like the history and, and such of it? I must admit, no, not a... It, full disclosure, I'm not a uh, New York Times subscriber and most likely never will be. Okay. Um, so, yeah, but no, either. to answer your question, I'm not, I'm not super familiar with their history. So um, the New York Times is basically, it's a private company owned by like a family, right? Um, uh, it's um, the New York Times has been strangely influential in, in like world events over the past century and um, it's especially relevant today because we, we, we see so much uh, public discourse about propaganda. And um, I would just be very careful about, you know, seeing New York Times and being like, this, is, this must be truth. There's a really good book that I'm going to link in the show notes um, that's called The Gray Lady Winked. And mm. it talks, it talks about the, the history of the New York times. Um, so it's funny. The New York times has been, I mean, they just published. Interesting. Is, does everyone refer to the New York times as the gray lady? Because this, this article, <laughs> this article is called on Bitcoin by Nick Carter um, on Bitcoin. The gray lady embraces climate. And then he uses some word I can't pronounce lice. Oh, lysicosism. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. He's definitely referring that, to the New York Times. Does yeah. everyone uh, refer to the, know what that? What's that all about? Why are they referred to as the, the gray lady? I'm not actually sure, to be honest. Okay. We'll look into that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's funny because like the New York Times is, this isn't the first time that they've published just basically false information. And it drives Nick crazy because Nick is like, He's like, you can literally look at the data yourself. And it's like, this is just false. Um, and so Nick has a, has a bunch of really good writings on Bitcoin energy usage that I encourage people to use. They're a little academic. They can be difficult to follow a little bit, but um, yeah. All right. Well, where do you want to take this, uh, Jordan? What do you want? What do you want to talk about specifically? I think one, I just wanted to 
like the biggest thing for me, I found that article that I linked in, into the notion um, where it was pretty much just, I mean, it was a short article in the coin in cointelegraph.com, but it was essentially just talking about a study that had come out from Galaxy Digital, or I guess a report that was released in 2021 that was actually just comparing the estimated annual energy consumption um, in terms of terawatt hours per year. And they, they had this really nice graph of how many terawatt hours per year used by the banking system, which they include card networks, ATMs, bank branches, um, and then the top 100 bank data centers. Then they compare that to gold. And then they also compare it to Bitcoin. And I mean, again, you'd have to take a very close look at the study and see, again, be very... Um, critical of what are their methodologies of coming up with these figures, but just looking into this and knowing that the Bitcoin energy uh, consumption is like pretty easy to track in real time. It's like Bitcoin is using a lot less energy than these other, um, than these other sources, you know, these other uh, systems, I guess I should say. And I think that, like if you if you believe in a world where Bitcoin in some way disrupts the banking system, which I think most Bitcoiners would agree with that statement, then it's just a matter of how, by how much. Then it's then it's really it's almost that argument where people make with healthcare, like if they say like, well, we're gonna we're gonna make it cheaper, so yes, you'll pay a little bit higher taxes. But overall, your your net cost will come down. Now, I'm not getting into whether I agree with that or not, but I'm just saying if you believe that the banking or if the banking system is just already consuming this amount of energy, and we're saying that Bitcoin is actually going to fill some of that gap and it's already using less energy, then in my head goes to well, potentially there's a world in which overall the energy goes down. Um, so that would be, I think. This is all about we're all we're talking about talking points, I think, specifically for for politicians, but also, you know, for people who are listening to politicians on both sides of this issue. And, you know, I'll, I'll cite Nick's article one more time in terms of, you know, that New York Times, the study that how they came up with. Again, we're just addressing that Bitcoin will make the temperature rise two percent or two degrees Celsius. They're relying on 2018 energy consumption data for Bitcoin. And the point that he makes is that, well, we're not in 2018 anymore. Um, and in 2018, a lot of the energy that was used was um, by mining new issuance of coins. And if you've been around Bitcoin a little bit, you, you know that we're not mining the same amount of Bitcoin every, every 10 minutes uh, today in 2022 that we were back in 2018. So, so, yeah, let me, I want to jump in. Yeah, the, go for it. So, because uh, I want to, uh, so you highlighted something, talking points for politicians. This is good. Because it, it's, um, it's just good, like, it's, it's a good way to start. So one thing is that you've highlighted, which is a, def a defensive take, which is um, it's not fair to, to compare Bitcoin to these other things. I think that's one point. Um, we could take the offensive, which is um, people don't realize this, but what Bitcoin is actually going to do is it's going to proliferate uh, renewable energy. 
So this is like, this would be an offensive strategy. So it's like, it's funny because you'll hear like Elizabeth Warren up there bashing cryptocurrencies or whatever, and, you know, bashing Bitcoin's uh, um, energy usage. And it's like, she's literally fighting against renewable energy. That's the way I see it. Whenever I see her bashing it, I see her um, being like, we don't actually want renewable energy. I'm like, okay, well, hold on a second. <laughs> like, like we could have that discussion actually, if you want to, but, the, we, but your whole party is premised on like renewable energy. And this is a bipartisan right. issue at this point. Um, yeah. So, and let's just talk about the way that works a little bit. Um, so this comes down to <clears throat> like the average person doesn't understand the way energy grids work. They th- it's one of those things that people just take for granted is the same way that I like show up to the, the grocery store. And I take for granted that there's going to be a loaf of bread there. Like, I don't know how that loaf of bread got there, but I'm, but I'm glad that it's there. <laughs> it's mine now. <laughs> it's mine now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and so the energy grid is, is, is the same way. And, um, energy grids are, are incredibly difficult to, I mean, this is a massive piece of technology that is the energy grid. And, um, so one big issue with the energy grid is that it's always energy grid is always balanced. It's not like they have a bunch of batteries sitting somewhere that are storing energy that you're pulling from. You are pulling energy directly from the generator that that generated that energy. And so they have to, they have to balance demand versus supply live, right? These are electric, these are charged, charged particles. That's an incredibly difficult thing to do. Um, and, and so like, there's all these different solutions to solve this problem, but Bitcoin is hands down the best solution to solve this, 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 this grid stability problem, because you can turn on a Bitcoin machine instantaneously and you can turn it off instantaneously. And so what, what you do is you all, you, it's called having a buyer of last resort. You will always have, um, a consumer of energy, which is Bitcoin. And what that means is you can oversupply the supply so you can over generate and then um whatever the the humans or like the grid doesn't need you just filter that to bitcoin right and that stabilizes the grid and yeah. if you have a stabilized grid like okay so that's that's the, the first thing to understand that the grid is difficult to stabilize the problem with renewable energies is, is that they're very difficult to stabilize okay yeah. because the sun isn't always shining the wind isn't always blowing Nuclear reactors move slow. You can't just like spin down a nuclear reactor. It takes time. Um, so it's like, you know, renewable energies are, are great. And, and, that, and even in today's world, they're, they're cheaper. They're actually cheaper than fossil fuel alternatives for the most part. But they still have this huge issue, which is they don't, they actually make grid stability much worse. And if you don't believe me, just look at the history, the, tr- the last decade of California grid. You have rolling blackouts constantly because they can't mm. stabilize the grid, and they probably because they have a bunch of renewables on their grid. That's my guess. A little side note too: uh, Texas, West Texas is like Texas is the whole thing. We could talk about Texas, but it's perfect for this. Um, so anyway, so you have this grid that's difficult to stabilize. Then you have renewables, which are make the stabilization worse. And you and then you know you plug Bitcoin in the, into the system; it solves the stability problem. Couple that with the fact that renewables are already cheaper, and the market will do it. Will do the work itself. Renewables will prolif- proliferate among the among the market. So yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, I think some prominent examples are like, you know, you hear like the volcano memes and then the, the, uh, hydropower, um, yeah, I think one thing that I want to highlight from a like political standpoint is I think Bitcoin has, I think we agree on this, that Bitcoin has gotten this very like Republican kind of skew. And I just think, and I think so many Bitcoiners are really just trying to fight that tooth and nail. And I, and I agree, like the guy I was listening to yesterday speak in Twitter spaces, he's running for Senate, he's running as a Democrat in um you know out of washington and i think i pretty much think that this anybody who's going to talk about bitcoin in politics really needs to say this this is not a we don't need to politicize this even though i know we love to politicize everything under the sun this is a very much like a human issue and monetary policy touches everyone and so Republicans don't own Bitcoin, you know, they don't own the idea or mm -hmm. champion it any more than Democrats need to. Um, and so that was encouraging because I, I assume anytime I'm really hearing a well, I've grown to assume that anytime I hear a politician kind of saying I'm running on a Bitcoin platform that I assume um, probably wrongly that they're Republican, right? And so mm -hmm. it was very refreshing yesterday to hear that, that there's... Um, you know, this, this growing bipartisanship on, on this issue. So I just like that from a general standpoint of, yeah, Bitcoin is for everybody. Into, yeah. Bitcoin is, Bitcoin is for everybody. Um, you know, politicization will happen, but, but the thing is, it's like, it depends on how you want. I think it's, it's like Bitcoin is for everybody, but then specifically like, you know, like for example, Democrats can, advocate the whole renewable thing like they can be like bitcoin is going to advance renewables and then the conservatives will be like you know you know bitcoin is a check on the federal reserve so there's different ways to um leverage leverage bitcoin it's funny um people talk about bitcoin is for everybody and they they're like you know bitcoin is for bitcoin is for me bitcoin is for you bitcoin is for uh oppressed people across the world it's for it's for starving people it's for it's for people that are it's for that are impoverished but then it's like okay well let me also tell you this bitcoin is also for the one percent it's also for the leaders it's also for the the banks okay it's for everybody um yeah it's um it's it's truly it's that's the it's a foundational feature of bitcoin is that it's truly apolitical it has no political allegiance yeah isn't that just so refreshing? I mean, that legit Man. brings a smile to my face because no we live in such a tired world that is just tired of everything being political, I think, you know? So it's very, very nice to see an institution that's coming about that's completely decentralized and by way of that is filled with people of all different stripes and not, not one of them could ever impose their views through that network on another person. I just think that that's so beautiful. So. Yep. Amen to that. <laughs> um, yeah. So I just think, Oh, there's one, I was listening to a podcast this morning and uh, they made an interesting point of like, you know, when, when Steve jobs introduced the, the iPhone, he, it wasn't like he created like touchscreen technology or, you know, a lot of that tech was already, um, was already out there. 
before you know you saw him in the black turtleneck come on stage and introduce this thing right um and in the same way they were talking about how all this tech with um distributed networks had been around for a long time before satoshi did this and and pretty much their whole point was like what steve jobs did and what satoshi did was took existing technology and just pretty much presented it in a way it was almost like a marketing um all of it was marketing. They were just taking all the components and putting it together and then presenting it in such a way that made it um, where the market started to actually pay attention and not just nerds on the weekend, right? Okay, I, um, I love this. Can I can I say some things? Yeah, jump in. First off, I'm going to uh, uh, disagree that it's mark. I'm not going to use the word marketing. Uh, okay. The, the more nuanced explanation is that it's about product market fit strategy. It's about understanding okay. what's the current state of the market and what does the market really want? What's the thing that they really, really want? Um, and so, yeah, there was like, um, I think this is common across most inventions that, okay, so let me back up a little bit. What, what Satoshi did, Satoshi did do something novel, which was that he, he called what's referred to as the, as the Byzantine generals problem. Um, and basically that's this whole proof of work mining thing, which leads to the energy usage. Um, but to your point, basically every, you know, that's just the tip of the iceberg. All the other stuff was already, was already there. Um, mm -hmm. and then furthermore, um, like Jack, Jack Dorsey talks about this a lot. And one of the reasons why Jack Dorsey pretty much only supports Bitcoin today, he doesn't really endorse these other crypto projects is because he talks about the um the origin story of bitcoin it's you know people refer to it as like an immaculate an immaculate conception uh type type of story and um because um it it came out right whenever the global financial crisis hit which is very uh convenient um so the world was like holy crap the financial markets are melting down and then satoshi out of nowhere says hey i have this i have this thing that i think you guys might want to see um and then second you know second thing is that satoshi remained pseudonymous and he even left the project like a truly you know it's like a truly noble act to be like um i brought this into the world but it's not about me it's about the thing and um you don't see that. It's a very rare thing. It's very George Washington-ish. Um, so, yeah, it's an immaculate conception. It's a really good story. Plus, he never he never cashed in his or what you know what people think are his coins that he that's right what he mined in, which people estimated what roughly a million coins, right? About a million, yeah. And those are those have never moved. Never moved. That alone, to me, <laughs> is like the most George Washington shit ever of like, <laughs> yes. okay, it, it's one thing to me. It's one thing if you leave the project, because again, you're just like, it's like that quote from George Washington where it's like, um, I want to, I want to sit under my own vine and, and fig tree and, and pretty much just enjoy the rest of my life. Right. Yes, Cause I've yes. done something super special, but then to not even move the, what I think it's, I, I want to say it's like 50 billion or either. I yeah. think it's 50 billion. It's roughly, roughly. about 50, 50 billion, which in today's world would make Satoshi the richest person on a, on a liquid basis. Like, cause that's pure liquidity. Right. Yeah. right. 
I mean, that's crazy. You don't it's crazy, right? There yeah. is not one other coin out there that that um can say either of those things where they're the original founder never took credit and left the project. And then second, never cashed in on their um, you know, their original. And and the reason he was, it's not one of those like sketchy pre-mine things either. I think that's important for people to understand. It's like he was just participating in the mining, you know, the mining network, just like everyone else. He was just the first user. Yeah. So all that, I think telling that story is important um, for people to understand. And then, yeah, I think, I think it's, but it's so much of it is about, I know, I know you strayed away from the word marketing and, and maybe that's not the right word, but you know, so much of, especially being when you're in the politics world, it's not really what you say. It's kind of like, it's how you communicate it to other yeah. people. I and, call it a, and, I call it a strategy. It's just like, it's uh, yeah. it's knowing like when the counterparty is ready to hear a certain thing, you know? Yeah. Even face, I think face, that, and I think face. they are primed and ready right now with, yes. uh, you know, I hear, I hear so many, you know, right now the easy one to attack is the gas, gas prices. Right. Um, and obviously that's happened before, but this time is different. Um, though. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I think everyone kind of has this feeling that this time it's different. We've never spent this much money. Um, in this short amount of time, and then the world is already kind of moving back towards violence, back towards like everyone backing into their own corner, de- developing their own nuclear weapons, most likely. If they're, you know, if they were relying on the West for that support at one point, they probably looked at the West now and said, well, if we don't want to be like Ukraine or Afghanistan. We probably just need to arm up ourselves kind of thing, um, or at least it could be thinking that way. And so all that to say, I, that just creates this absolute feeling of unease, like that's, that's just sweeping, I would say sweeping the globe, but it's definitely sweeping, um, you know, my neighborhood and here in Louisville. So, and then I think if you've got a primed population that is looking for an alternative, here's your alternative. We just need to make sure that it's explained in a way that is easy to understand. And I think that's a big part of this, the goal of this podcast. And, um, and that also that any, any lies are torn down. Um, not, not aggressive, you know, we're not trying to be the, the Bitcoin maxi kind of like where you're mean and things like that, but just making sure that if there is, uh, something that's incorrect or called a lie that it is met with truth and, you know, go back to like some, like a more Christian idea of like grace and truth, right? Like you have to meet people with, like, if you just like go at them with truth, 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 you're never going to win anybody over, right? Because Mm -hmm. people, people are turned off by that, that you're just like this ultra righteous person that doesn't really care about them. Um, So you also have to do it in this way. You have to explain these things in a way that you're listening and you're, but you're also offering like, Hey, this is the truth, but I'm not trying to devalue you as a human because you, we don't see eye to eye on things. And then over time, you know, over time, the, the thought is that you'll eventually bring them over to your side. If, 
you know, if all your ideas are actually hold up to scrutiny, right? So I've never really thought about it that way, but, you know, growing up in the evangelical Christian community myself, like that was something that was very much kind of articulated was the, was the grace and the truth. If you're talking with someone about something sensitive, like religion. And I know people don't like to think about cryptocurrency as religion, but it, it has a lot of, Oh, it's definitely, there's a lot of overlap. Yeah. It has, that's a good way to say it. There's a lot of overlap. So you have to approach it. I would say in that same way of not, not like coming down hard on someone, but, but listening and, and still validating that they, they're not an idiot or something like that. Right. So right. yeah, but on the energy stuff, I just think it's going to be, it's the heat is going to turn up definitely like from the summer until the election in November. Um, but really only for people who, who actually vote in midterms. I, I was watching the show. This is a really funny joke that I've got to say. I was watching Veep and one of the lines was uh, one of the characters was saying, I'm getting older. Um, and one of the lines that he said, he was like, man, I, I feel like I should vote in primaries. And he was pretty much saying like only old people vote in primaries, but <laughs> probably not true, but it was really funny. Um, but all that to say only a, only a select few of people, uh, a select bit of the population actually participates and pays attention on these off year elections. Um, like what we've got this year, but I think where it's really going to get ramped up is um, the start of next summer when you know when presidential presidential stuff turns back on for primaries yeah, yeah. Um, with both parties i think they're going to have to tackle this it'll just you know it'll just like fall into place like all the other issues of things like that the moderators will bring up and say what what are your thoughts on this and that's really when people need to well it'd be great if you'd start to understand if people start to understand it now but you'll have kind of no choice at that time to kind of pick a side as bad as that seems. I, I, what do you think? Do you think we'll get to a point where it's almost, it's kind of like everything else in America is like, you're either on this side or that side kind of thing. Or do you think it'll, or do you think by some miracle, it'll be some nuanced thing where it won't be like that. There's like this middle ground. Specifically Bitcoin. Yeah. I would say specifically Bitcoin. Yeah, Once this hits like the political mainstream and debates and things like that. I think that there's probably going to be like stretches where it, to your point, like right now, it kind of seems like a Republican thing, but I, you know, people don't think that the dollar is one political party or the other. I think that Bitcoin will, will stretch. It'll become this thing that it's like right now it's easy it's easy to politicize because it's still so young and you can speculate it's very speculative but um as it matures it just becomes like any other utility it's like truly serves humanity and then like the political issues will be more along the lines of like what are the what are the what are the um second order things on bitcoin for so for example like if you know democrats could run on like if you are a Bitcoin mining company based in the United States, you have to have a certain percentage of your energy mix as renewables, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just one example. Yeah. Which actually that 
I couldn't read the whole New York Times article um, because it's behind the paywall that I don't pay for, which maybe I'll change that so that I can dig into what they're putting out there. But um, like that, that link that I put in from the New York Times was actually talking about how some Bitcoin miners are trying to be more, um, more geared towards renewables and being more efficient. So, I mean, I think, I think pushing miners to use more renewables where it makes sense and having a more like a broader mix of energy is, is definitely not a bad thing. Um, I just, I just think when you come at it, like, like, uh, and you know, Warren's the most, she's the easiest to pick on, but when you come at it from how she does, it just seems like she's not, she's not, um, positioned to like help at all or see how this could benefit. It's only, well, what about this? What about that? And, and all bad things. Right. Whereas she could, from what you're saying, she could propose like, well, here's where you guys are at with your renewable versus um, fossil fuel energy mix. What if the whole community said, hey, we, no, no, no Bitcoiners are for burning the earth, you know, like no Bitcoiners are for us contributing to destroying the earth more quickly. I think that there's a lot of reasonable people out there would say, yeah, we can we can set some targets and try to hit those, especially in the United States. Obviously, yeah, you can't control definitely. this stuff for for all over the world. I mean, I think it's a big win. It was a big win for climate uh, people who are um, worried about the climate for that China bandit. I mean, now you don't have some of those provinces that are very coal heavy that are, you know, they were the biggest Bitcoin miners, right? Before That's they, right. before they yeah. like all the way banned it back last year. Yeah. Cause most of China's energy mixes coal. I don't know if it's most, but a lot of it is. And so like a lot yeah. of the, a lot of the Bitcoin miners are using coal. That's something that, that Nick Carter hype, harps on a lot, which is that like right now, a, New York state has a substantial portion of the Bitcoin hash rate, um, primarily because they have a lot of upstate hydroelectric dams and nobody's mm. using them. Um, and so what Nick Carter says is like, if you basically ban it in New York, New York state, then like the, the Bitcoin miners are going to go somewhere else and it may not be a renewable energy. Like it, they may result back to using coal or something. Hmm. It's weird yeah. how political this like whole thing is, isn't it? It's like, it's weird how it's just, it goes, it all goes back to governance to me. Like I just keep going back to like um, this whole thing. It's all about governance really. I would or you, or, you mean, could my, say the, or you could say my, the, the lack of governance, right? Uh, you could say that too. I would say the lack of self-governance, self-governance. Like I think so much of, I mean, if, I've, if I'm putting on just like my, the hat of like um, my cynical hat, I, I would say a lot of this feels like it's about control and it's really just about, well, Bitcoin it has no central authority and no one no man behind the curtain who can pull the levers to make it to make pretty much to make the numbers say what they want them to say kind of thing and i think people in power have gotten very used to that that ability to just make make whatever narrative they want to make true they just they do it they make it true based on whether it's interest rates or whether it's 
giving certain incentives to universities or having, you know, media like your, your point earlier where the New York times, I mean, they even, Nick was talking about how they were pushing, you know, some propaganda out of um, Iran that, that Bitcoin was the, was the main reason for blackouts in, um, in Iran, which, (laughs) which like people were saying that's easy to spot as propaganda. Um, Same with some stuff out of China. And so well, it's like, so, so to your point, the control like, piece to me is like, the is control. very important. Yeah. Cause it's, I mean, put yourself put, for a moment, put yourself in Elizabeth Warren's shoes again, where she's just easy to pick on. You can choose any number of them. And I'll say as a side note, one of the problems is like most of our high political leaders right now are like in their seventies in these, you know, no offense, but like when you're in your seventies, you're going to be very resistive to any change. Like you're just basically like, I'm just smooth rolling from here on out. You're like, no, 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 that's not how it works. Okay, adaptability is what matters. But so you you can, you know, put yourself in Elizabeth's Elizabeth Warren's shoes. You spent your whole career. Um I I, I really, you know, I think that everybody's like the hero of their own story. And so, like from from Senator Warren's shoes, she's probably thinking, I said my whole career, I've done all these really great things to like reduce uh fossil fuel emissions. Um, it's, I've had to fight tooth and nail. I've had to fight really hard. And then here, here comes along this Bitcoin thing that has no jurisdiction. I can't, I can't just pass a law that, that prevents it from happening. You know, what am I going to do? And, um, so I can empathize with that, but again, my, the, my shtick is, you know, if you are in that position where you're saying I've spent my whole life doing this and now I don't want to adapt to change, you shouldn't be a leader. Okay. Like you shouldn't be, if you are resistive to adaptability, you are not a leader. Okay. Now you can, you can be like, um, I have done the, the full study. I've done all my research and I, and I still conclude that this is how we should do it. That's one thing, but just, just to be blindly, uh, denying it, denying change, I think is, is a terrible thing for everybody. It's not very progressive either. It's not very progressive. Amen to that. <laughs> it's funny how like we're, we're, we're really at an Overton window. We're like all these, it's weird how some of these politicians are like, it's almost like they're switching sides to on, on, on in a lot of ways. Right. It's weird. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think all, I think the main point for, cause we'll, we'll probably have to wrap up here soon. Um, but I think the main point is that, um, don't don't only um consume the mainstream media's kind of their narrative or at least their widespread narrative on on the bitcoin energy stuff you've got to dig in and at least it's it's as it's as it is with everything else at least read one article that argues the other side and and that i try to apply that for everything because every most everything is somewhere in the middle. It's not that yep. Bitcoin is going to like, it's not that Bitcoin is going to burn the earth to the ground. And it's also that not that Bitcoin is clean it's as driven snow and, and, and yeah. And doesn't use any coal or any right. fossil fuels. Like that's a lie too. Yes. So making sure that you look into both arguments um, and, and making, you know, just, just finding data that you can trust and, I think just looking at both sides and then, and then 
the other piece I would say is if you run across someone who disagrees with you or has, or who has only maybe looked at one side on either sides of those coins that you just approach that person with, with grace, I would say, and making sure that we really break down this, this stereotype that Bitcoiners are mean people who have, they won't even consider like they'll shun you or make you feel like you're an idiot. If you don't agree with them exactly. Um, I think that that's really dangerous for just network effect going into the future. So those are my two kind of closing thoughts on it. I know we didn't get to everything today, but I, I no, think the energy I wanna, thing was a big I want to end it there. That was, that's, that's a great place to end it. Let's end it. Okay.